This is Ashley Stone, and you're listening to The Comeback Podcast. Susan, I am so excited to have you on the podcast. I was first introduced to your story, which a lot of listeners may have already heard of your story and they don't know it yet. But I was first introduced to your story several years ago when Elder Brent H. Nelson gave the talk, Waiting for the Prodigal. He mentioned his sister, Susan, and her story. And I loved that talk so much. And I know that so many people did, and it resonates so much with what we're doing on the Comeback Podcast. And one of the things that I thought during that talk is that you know, we sometimes think that, you know, general authorities, their families are immune to faith crisis because they're so, you know, we admire them so much. And so hearing your story and your experience and then coming back was just so powerful to me and so powerful to so many other people I know. So I am so just honored, absolutely honored. I'm honored to be here with you, and thank you very much. And you're right, general authorities are not immune to any kind of issues or faith crises or anything else. They're families, you know, mm -hmm. it just, it happens to everybody. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's so wonderful to have you on. Yeah, why don't we go ahead and jump in? I'd love to just hear a little bit about you, and then we can jump into your story. Okay. Well, I, I'm retired. I've been retired. I was in the corporate world. I've been retired now since 2018. I moved out here to Georgia. I live north of Atlanta. One of my sons, well, I have a son and a daughter. My son lives here with his family. I have two darling granddaughters, and I just love being here around those guys. They are just the best. We're in the same ward together. Aww. And so that's what I do. I also write, so there's a number of things I do with my time. The only thing I miss is being closer to my siblings in Utah. So, But I, I go out, I see them, I spend time with them, but I can tell you that at this point in my life, the two most important things to me are faith and family. I love that. I love that so much. Well, let's go ahead and jump into your story. So I know that you spent 15 years out of the church, and then you've been back for 15 years now. And I actually just reread the Waiting for the Prodigal talk just a couple of days ago, and it's just so impactful. So I'm so excited to hear first-hand experience. So let's start at the beginning, just, you know, your testimony as a child, what that was like growing up and just let you take it away. Okay. Thank you. So I grew up in a small town, Burley, Idaho. Um, I'm the oldest of four children. My dad was an attorney. My mom taught high school and I had a strong testimony growing up, very strong. We were all close to the church. My dad was a bishop. Um, eventually all three of my brothers became bishops. After I married in the temple, I was a Relief Society president once and a young women's president three times. So my testimony of the gospel was very strong, or I cer certainly thought it was. So I was very active growing up. I was active in college. And that's kind of the beginning, if you will. Yeah. Where did you go to college? And So I graduated from high school and I went to the University of Utah. I chose to go there. They gave me a scholarship. I majored in English. So I got a degree in English. And then after I finished my degree, I started teaching high school at Bingham High School. At that time, it was in Copperton, Utah. Now it's in South Jordan. But I taught high school. And then I, I flew out to see a relative of mine in California. And that's where I met my husband to be. I met him there and I got married just before I turned 25. We were married in the Salt Lake Temple. Awesome. That's amazing. 
tell us a little bit more about your husband. Is he, I mean, was he active? What's kind of the story with your husband? Well, we are divorced. We have been for 20 years. Okay, but yes, he was very active in the church. He was a faithful member. His family came from England. He lived in California. He is happily remarried right now. He never once left the church. Okay. So I, I left, but he never did. So okay. he's still faithful. He's still in touch with his children. He's a good man. Okay, awesome. So tell us a little bit about, you know, where you were at when you started to have questions about your faith. You're teaching high school. You you had a strong testimony growing up. You served in many faithful callings. And tell us kind of what led up to questioning. Okay. Well, I mean, the other thing to know is that, you know, we we weren't able to have children. We adopted both of our children. They are incredible. I love them to pieces. I can't imagine life without either one of them. And we raised them in the church. You know, they were active. Everything was fine. Uh, everything was going really well. Then I started having some problems in my marriage. Things weren't going well. We weren't getting along. Then we started having some huge, huge financial issues. Um, and it happened several times and it got pretty bad. So at one point I just said, okay, I'm not going to do this anymore. And I took my children and left. The other thing that started happening though is but once I started having questions, instead of doubting my doubts before I doubted my faith, as Elder Uchtdorf has counseled us to do, I just started having doubts. I had some friends who started saying, oh, come on, what about this? What about that? I started listening. And then I got to the point where and I can tell you my spiritual eyes closed. I didn't know they were closed. But not only was I having doubts, I started breaking my covenants, which just absolutely breaks my heart to talk about now. But I did. And I let things that were least important become more important than things that were the most important. And so my spiritual eyes were closed. And, you know, if you I know you know this, but if you look in the scriptures, the scriptures are rife with passages about spiritual blindness and about awakening. And I didn't realize my spiritual eyes were closed until I woke up. And I had the spirit again. I hadn't had a spiritual experience in 15 years when I came back. And my family stayed very close to me. They were so good. You know, they they stayed by the tree, as Sister Runia talked about in her last talk. There's nothing more important than staying by the tree if we have somebody who's left the church. We have to stay by the tree and then let the Lord help and guide them. Yes. I, I mean, as much as you can and want to expound on all of these experiences, I think it's super helpful for people to hear because I think in this day and age, we're not just like bombarded with our friends' opinions of the church and the gospel, but we have everyone that's a stranger as well on social media telling us yep. what their opinions are and why this doesn't make sense and this doesn't make sense. And, you know, I imagine that when you had those friends that were saying those things, I mean, was it mostly just friends? Like what happened at that point? How was that reaction to that? And what did you, was it just like, oh yeah, that does make sense. So I'll have to tell you, I think what happened is I started hearing some things and I thought, wow, what about this? What about that? There's a lot of stuff you can hear. There's a lot of stuff you can read. We have to remember what the cornerstone of our religion is. It's the Book of Mormon, which is what we're studying this year. Okay, it's Jesus Christ. You know, the rest of it is just a bunch of noise. But the thing that happened is I started hearing these things. I started doubting. And then what I did was I started breaking my covenants. And then I looked for reasons not to believe. 
Okay, so instead of it being something I was doing wrong, it was like, oh, no, it's because the church is wrong. That was just, and, and that happens. I've seen that happen before. It's like, okay, I need to justify my behavior. I'm just going to go ahead and do whatever I want, and then I'm going to look for reasons why the church is wacky. You know, that happens too. I'm not saying that happens to everyone, but what we don't want to do is forget the most important things. You know, we want to hang on to the rod. We don't want to listen to the people in the great and spacious building that are mocking things. There's so much junk out there right now. Sorry. <laughs> I'm on a rant about social media. Yes, I agree with you 100%. When you started to come to these conclusions that you wanted to step away from the church, I imagine that that would be really painful as somebody that's that spent their whole life devoted to the gospel and serving in these callings. And I imagine that was really challenging. And did you have any reactions from people that were close to the church? Like, how did your family respond to that? My family was devastated. My mom was so sad. She just felt so sad. And then I ended up getting a divorce not long after that. And so now I'm in the middle of a divorce and I'm broke and I'm trying to get all that figured out and trying to take care of my kids. And I was just devastated. And I remember talking to my mom one time and I said, mom, you know, I don't even have a family anymore, you know, because I was divorced. She said, yes, you do, Susan. You have me and you have your three brothers and you have your nieces and nephews and we will always love you. And they did. That was the thing they did. Of course, they didn't agree with my decision, but they kept me involved. They kept me close to them. They kept me doing things with them. I was living in California at the time, and one of my brothers, whose name's Norm, he lived not very far away. They used to have me to their house and my son to their house because my daughter had already gone. And we used to do things together. They loved me. They stood by the tree, and they loved me with every fiber of their being. And we have to do that for our family members. Or what do they have to come back to? Mm -hmm. Yep. So true. I mean, during all of these years, the 15 years that you were out, did you ever have any thought that you might come back in those 15 years? Or were you just like, I'm, I'm done. I'm out. You know, I didn't think I was going to come back. I thought I was done and I was out, but two things happened. One was the Bishop that I had at the time. And he and I are still good friends. He just got back from being a mission president. And I saw him in California recently. And he said, Susan, I think you're going to come back to the church someday. And I said, oh, I don't think so. I don't think I'm coming back. And he said, did you ever think you would leave? And I said, nope, I never thought I would leave. And he said, then maybe you're going to come back. And I came back and I got a chance to see him after I was, after I just started coming back. I saw him because he was a state president in San Clemente. And I saw him and he gave me a big hug and we were so thrilled to see each other. The other thing that happened is I was working on a master's in clinical psychology. And I was talking to a professor one day, and he had been talking about people's families, and, and he was talking about cultures and things like that. And I talked to him after class, and I told him about what had happened. And he said, you know, he said, I don't know if you'll return to your faith or if, where you will find your synthesis, but I predict you will find it. And it was Pepperdine. It was a Christian university. And so I thought about that. So there were little things along the way that made a difference that I started wondering about, but it didn't really have an impact on me for a while to come back. Mm -hmm. So during this time, you, you're divorced now, your kids are kind of, was your son home with you during most of those 15 years? My son was home with me. My daughter was six years older. She'd already gone. She moved back to Utah, but okay. my son was there with me. Yeah. He was only 12. Okay. So did your kids, did they end up leaving too? Or what did that look like? 
both of my children left. Okay. And both of my children came back. Oh my gosh. Are you kidding me? I am not kidding you. And so a great thing. So my son, okay. So he was inactive for a very long time. He started dating a, a person, a woman that he ended up marrying. And she started getting interest in the church. She was talking to members of my family. And the two of them got married and they ended up, uh, she ended up joining the church. She helped bring him back to the church. I was coming back too. So he and I were both coming back and she joined the church and they got married in the temple. And that's who I'm living six miles away from with my beautiful granddaughters who are in primary. And I just can't tell you, I just, I sit there sometimes and I, I see them, you know, talking in primary, singing and the oldest one's almost getting ready to go to young women's. And I just think, what would have happened? What would my life have looked like right now if I hadn't come back? Mm -hmm. So it just was such a blessing. I just felt so grateful. Oh my gosh, that is amazing. I did not know that piece of your story. And that is absolutely incredible. And I'm sure so many people listening to this, I'm sure that gives them hope. <laughs> so many well, people. And, and that's why I would hope for on this podcast. And that's what I was hoping for on the talk is, you know, I kind of thought my story was for people who had left the church and were thinking of coming back. But then I realized that my brother's talk and my story were really more for fam people who had family members who'd left because they were sad and they didn't know if they had hope. So, yeah, I think the important thing is to have hope. People come back, you know, have hope, have faith, stay by the tree and let, let Jesus Christ bring them home. I love that so much. So what about those questions, those hard questions that you had that were kind of what triggered your spiral out of the church? What about those questions? I mean, did you ever get those resolved or how did that just kind of dissipate and you came back? Well, I didn't. I thought I'm not going to go. I'm not going to be anti-church. I knew I was going to do that. And I didn't want to do that to my family. And I just got to the point where I kind of felt oh, it's okay one way or the other. And I wasn't sure if I had any faith at, at, or not, but let me tell you just a quick story. I have a really close friend in California. Her name is Sunny. She's Jewish. But she was talking to me one day and she said, Susan, I think you have faith. And I said, no, I don't have any faith. She said, yeah. She said, I see you as Jacob wrestling with an angel. She said, I think you still have faith. So there were little things that happened all the way along the way. And I moved. That helped. It helped to move to a different place. I moved to Sacramento. It helped to be in a different setting. I think that made a big difference. The church found me again. I had home teachers. I had people that were coming to see me. We had a, an empty nester group. I started being part of that. So there were a lot of steps along the way. And then one day, I just had a revelation and a voice came to my head. It was the first time I had had a spiritual experience in 15 years. And the voice that came to my head said, your family needs you. It's time to go back to the church. And I thought, I said, who are you? You know, I just... But I knew what I'd heard and I knew what had happened. And then it was a faith, faith-filled journey from there. And I had to rethink things again. And something that I thought about, I don't know if you remember reading the story of Rip Van Winkle when you were in high school. And it's a story about a guy, it's written a long time ago, but I used to teach it in high school. And the guy fell asleep. His name was Rip Van Winkle. And he fell asleep for a long time. And then all of a sudden he woke up. And I felt like Rip Van Winkle. It's like all of a sudden I woke up and I thought, oh my gosh. How did I get here? You know, what am I doing on the sidelines? Why am I not in the church anymore? How did I get here? I just felt upside down. But I knew what I'd felt and I knew what I thought. And so I had to 
I talked to my bishop. I had to, you know, get things back in order. I told my family, you know, they were thrilled. And then it was a process. But I came back and went back to the temple and yeah. <laughs> so as you're telling me this, I'm remembering in the talk where Elder Nelson says, he was getting called into the 70, right? In general conference. Right. And he received a phone call from from some one of your family members that said, it's time for Susan to come back. Okay, let me tell you that story. Yes, let's hear okay, it. So it was, it was his wife, Marcia. Okay. Okay, so Marcia was sitting right by him and he was in general conference and he was getting ready to go into the afternoon session. Okay, and he knew he was being called. His kids were in the audience. Nobody else knew he was being called, but he and Marcia did. And she wrote him a little note and she said, Brent, it's time for Susan to come back to the church. And so at the same time that was happening, I was with a friend in a movie theater and I was watching this. No, oh, I know what happened. I saw a phone call. It was from my brother, Brent. And I thought, why is he calling me? You know, and so I thought, well, I, you know, I can't take it now. I have to, I have to finish what I'm doing. And so I finished and then I went home and then I listened to the message. Well, actually I listened to the message while I was in the movie and it said, I'm just calling to see if you could please watch general conference this afternoon. And I thought, why is he calling me to ask me to watch general conference? Uh, interestingly enough, I had watched the morning session just because I felt impressed to do so. I thought, why is he calling me to ask me to watch general conference? And then I was still in the movie theater. To my mind came the words, he's kind to tell you he's being called as a 70 and he wants you to know and i thought wait who are you just once again was like how did this happen and so i went home one of my other brothers called me and he said hey i just wanted to let you know what happened i said i know exactly what happened he said what do you mean i said brent got called and he said you know how did you know that in fact that was the morning session i, I i'm sorry i can't remember anyway and i said because i had an impression and i know that's what happened that's exactly what happened. And I knew that was an impression. Then I had the impression it's time for you to come back to the church. There were all these impressions piling on all at the same time. That is so incredible. It's just amazing that, you know, I love the how you reference it as your spiritual eyes. Your spiritual eyes were closed and then they were open. And a lot of people that are out of the church or they're kind of anti-church they reference spiritual experiences as being they say that it's just like an emotion that yeah. it's an elevated emotion but when i what i hear you saying when you're telling these stories is that that is not an elevated emotion no. very clear direct message that is straight to your heart of the spirit talking to you absolutely true and actually, I, I know people say that. And the thing is, is that we have to have both faith and reason. And again, quoting Elder Uchtdorf, he said, there are two wings on the same plane. We can't have faith and reason. I mean, we have to have them both. So some people will just go to reason. They dismiss faith altogether. Oh, there's nothing like that. There's no spiritual experiences. There's no Heavenly Father. There's none of that stuff. And they'd like to believe that because if they can believe that, then they don't have to think there's something else they need to do. But we need both faith and reason. We can't give up our faith and just say reason is all that counts. We can't do that. One of the smartest people on this planet is President Nelson. I agree. Okay? And I know you agree with that. I mean, he's, he was a heart surgeon. He's a heck of a lot smarter than me or anybody else we probably know. And does he have faith? Absolutely. So intellectuals who say, oh, oh, I'm too smart. I'm going, uh, people a lot smarter than you are, are believers. 
Oh, yeah. I thank you for pointing that out. Oh, my gosh. I just resonate with that comment so much. <laughs> I just agree so much. I I just don't know how you can look at President Nelson and he's been alive for a hundred years and he's seen it all. Man, I just started reading his new book and so too, part of the matter. Yes. Yes. It's great. It is right. great. It's amazing. And his some of the things that he's been through. I mean, in the beginning where he talks about his wife, he and his wife, and they had mm -hmm. these robbers come with guns to their heads. And it's just like no. it's like what? He's not this sheltered man. <laughs> like, no, he has experiences and he's lived a lot of life and he's so smart and he's seen so many things. And you're so right. Like, you can be an intellectual and you can be a believer at the same you can time. Be both at the same time. Yep. It, it, it's called faith and reason. And we need both of those in our lives. You think about Elder Oaks, you know, Utah State Supreme Court Justice. Think about Elder Eyring and what he did as the, you know, one of the presidents of um, BYUI. And his father wrote the book, The Faith of a Scientist, okay? And he was a scientist with faith. So this idea that if you are a believer and you have spiritual experiences, you must not be that bright, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, so true. Man, that is, I am so glad you brought that point up. That is, that's so true. I love it so much. A lot of times, Lauren and I on our videos, we'll get all kinds of comments and all kinds of people that are, they want to disprove what we're talking about or whatever. And I just think to myself, look at the fruits of the spirit here with President Nelson and our, our church leaders and the fruits of the spirit are peace and calm. And, and, you know, and then when you're looking at the fruits of all the antagonistic comments that come mm -hmm. from in the YouTube comment section or on social media, it's like you just compare the fruits and you can see that the fruits of the spirit are real and so beautiful and so precious. And we're so blessed to be members of this beautiful gospel. We are actually. And when you talk about the detractors and the people that, that are always, that are against the church and that are anti, they don't know what they're for. They only know what they're against. Yes. So my belief is that anybody who is comfortable with their beliefs doesn't need to attack another person's belief. So, so true. you're comfortable with what you believe in. You don't need to go out and attack somebody else. Mm -hmm. So I just look at them and I think you lack confidence. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not comfortable with what you believe. Otherwise, you wouldn't have to attack other people's beliefs. You can I, tell them full of opinions. I share that opinion with you, Susan. So I'm right there with you. I have a question for you. And it might be a little sensitive. And if it is, feel free to pass on this question. But what is it like being a divorced member of the church? And I know that there's a lot of women who are single in the church and they feel it can be challenging. Tell us about that. If you feel comfortable talking about that. I know it's a challenge for people to be divorced in the church. It is. I mean, I've been divorced now. I got divorced years and years and years ago, and I've been divorced a long time and I did never marry. I got into a career and did what I need to do to support myself. But let me just share one really special experience with you while we're talking. I I had a realization at some point in time, even though I was getting along with my husband and his new wife. And I thought, I don't know if we can live together in the next life. And I was in the temple one day and I was praying and I had a very strong impression come to me that said, I have someone for you. And I knew the Lord had somebody for me and it's, pro it's probably going to be in the next life. That's fine. But it is hard when you aren't part of a couple. 
this coming up semester, I'm going to be teaching BYU Pathway, the eternal family. And I believe very much in a husband and a wife and children. And I believe very much in the eternal family. But sometimes you can start to feel a little bit left out. But I think the key is if you're feeling left out, go make a friend. Go find somebody who's sitting there who looks like they feel left out too. And say, you know, what can I do? You know, let's talk here. So somebody said this the other day and I really liked it. They said, it's give, said the little stream, not get, said the little stream. So I'm not trying to discount anybody's feelings. Seriously, if somebody's going, oh yeah, it can be difficult and it's not easy. And it's always not always easy to be single in the church. But I think the best thing to do is to try to reach out to somebody else and, and then let other people reach out to you. You know, sometimes we're a little bit stubborn about, oh no, you know, I don't need help. I'm fine. Mm -hmm. So we can gain a lot from letting other people help us. I love that. I love that so much. On the podcast, we've had a lot of people from all walks of life. We've had people from the LGBT community come on mm -hmm. and share their experiences. Back. We've had single women who are divorced. We've had just from a whole, all different kinds of backgrounds. And I think that one of the incredible lessons that I've really learned is that there is a place for everyone in the church. Oh, I love what you said. I love what you said. There's a place for everyone. Everyone belongs. Okay. And what we want is a, and I didn't make this up, but I can't remember the quote right now, but what we want is an award is a garden of Eden ward. We want everybody to belong. We want everybody to feel welcome. We want to hug and love everyone, no matter what. That's what Christ would want us to do. Mm -hmm. It's so true. I, I believe that wholeheartedly. I had a neighbor that she had a child that was in the LGBT community and we were talking one day and, and she said, man, Jesus would, Jesus would go and love these That's right. people. And yes. And you know, they, a lot of times it's, it's a really challenging, especially in the church where there's conflicting feelings and they, they're, they're navigating that. And I can only imagine how challenging that is. And so I, I do know that the savior would go to them and love them. And so I just love that. Like we have this landscape of all different kinds of people that are welcome. And I do too. I think that's so important. And I think of elder D Todd Christofferson, and I think you, you probably know he had a brother who was gay and left the church and ended up coming back years later. But one of the things elder D Todd Christofferson's mother said, she said, I want my children to know they will always be loved no matter what. And they invited, he was part of the family. They loved him. That's what we have to do. We have to be a Christian Zion people. And that means including everyone and loving everyone as Christ would do. Well, Susan, what, what advice would you have for somebody that might be on the fence or they're, they're thinking about leaving or they're struggling with their testimony and they've heard things or seen things online, what advice would you have for them? One of the pieces of advice I would give them is if you've got doubts, that's fine. People have doubts, they have concerns, but look at them and be careful what sources you're looking at. You know, don't go looking for sources that are just random people or people who have left the church or people who don't like the church. That's not where you find your sources. You know, look at some conference talks, look at other places, talk to people in your ward, talk to family members, talk to them about some of your doubts and figure it out. You know, sometimes there's some cultural things. People go back and say, oh, but what about this in the past of the church? What about this in the past of the church? 
And what they forget is they they didn't live during that time. And we can't go back and say, oh, but because we're we're historically in a different place. So don't let the things that matter least get in front of the things that matter most. And because your family and your faith are things you're going to cherish for the rest of your life. And if you have questions, try to live with them and make sure you're looking at great places for your sources for, for answers. Love that so much. Now, on the flip side, what advice would you have for the family members of somebody that maybe they just announced that they're leaving the church or they maybe they didn't announce it, but they're on their way out and it's very clear. What advice would you have for the family members in in addition to loving them? Like when you see things that hurt or painful, like what advice would you have? Well, and I've actually talked to a lot of people whose family have left the church. We, I've had several conversations with people, and yes, loving them is important. Sometimes we just have to be patient. We just have to be patient and wait and see what happens. I would say don't lecture. They don't need your lecture. If you want to talk to them about their ideas, ask them. So what are you thinking? How are you feeling? And listen. And just say, okay, well, that's interesting. Okay. Well, thanks for sharing that. How do you feel? And be a listener and a lover. Okay, two words. Be a listener and a lover. And just be patient and wait. And keep praying. I mean, keep praying. Pray them home. Well, Susan, is there anything else that you want to leave listeners with before we wrap up? Any thoughts or just anything that you would like to share? Gosh, I can't really think of anything. I've pretty much told you <laughs> so much. Um, but I want to thank you for the opportunity to be here. I love that you're doing a comeback podcast. So I think we need to come home. And I, I was listening to something last night and the person said, we are all prodigals. We just come back at different times. So be patient. And my brother Brent said that once. He said, we're all prodigals, Susan. It's not just you. He said, we all have times where we're prodigals. We all have to repent. We all have to come back to Jesus Christ. He's there. Nobody is ever beyond the reach of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's there waiting. So I guess I would just say, be patient with people. Be patient with yourselves. And remember, when you do something wrong, sometimes the person that's hardest to forgive is you. Yeah. So be patient with yourself. Forgive yourself. And just love each other. I guess that's it. I love it. That is so beautiful, Susan. Just the perfect way to, to wrap this up. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for sharing your incredible story and your insight. And you're just so... You're just such a beautiful person. You you just, you radiate light. And I am so grateful to have you on the podcast. So thank you so much. Thanks. It's been great to be here. A lot of people have asked us how they can support the podcast, and we have created a Comeback Podcast merch line on our website, www.comebackpodcast.org. All of the money made from the merch goes right back into the podcast. So if you are interested in supporting the podcast um, and you want to purchase some merch, we would love it. Check it out. Hey, guys. First off, I want to give you a heartfelt thank you to all of you that support the podcast. We wouldn't be able to get this message out without all of your help, so thank you so much. 
I've had a few questions come in from people that aren't on social media. So I just wanted to let you guys know that we do have a website. It's www.comebackpodcast.org. You can find all of our episodes here. Um, There's a list of our book club selections. And you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Thanks again. We love you guys so much.